this is Up For A Chat with your hosts, Cindy O'Meara and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up For A Chat, about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Cindy O'Meara. And I'm Kim Morrison, and boy, are we in a tr- in for a treat this week. Our very special guest, my brother from another mother, the gorgeous Toby Morrison. <laughs> what an honor to have you on the show. We are talking a topic and certainly some health things this week around things like ME, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia. We want to know more about this. Are they just statements? Are they real? How are people being affected by this? But before we dive into all of the things that you're doing amazingly, Toby, would you mind taking us back? How on earth did you get involved in all of this? And where on earth has your life, your journey taken you? Hey, uh, thanks for the intro, girls. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, Kim, we might be related. We might not be. I don't know, but we do share the last name together. So that's kind of cool. Uh My journey started when I was a 16-year-old teenage boy uh, with the dream of becoming a professional basketball player. And uh, all I really cared about was basketball. Uh, I was quite tall. I'm six foot six uh, now, so almost two two meters tall. Uh, Was pretty uh, athletic, uh, super fit. And to be honest, I hated school. Uh, I used to wag a lot of classes and just played basketball on my own. And uh, life changed really fast. I was uh, training with the state uh, team in Victoria uh, for basketball. I was probably training 14 times a week. This is, this is like 18 years ago. And back then there was no education on overtraining. There was definitely no education on nutrition, uh, rest and recovery. Things have changed now, which is good, but Back then, I was kind of just pushing myself as hard as I possibly could. And uh, whilst I was doing that, I got struck down with glandular fever. And at the time, I kind of just thought it was like a cold or a flu. And, you know, I went to the doctors and the doctor just kind of said, you'll be fine with time. And whilst I was struggling with that, I was kind of sleeping, you know, 16 hours a day. Uh, You know, body was kind of exhausted, uh, lethargic, super, super tired but I kept pushing myself and I kept playing basketball and I kept getting worse and I didn't know why. And about three to six months later, uh, after pushing myself so much, my body kind of just collapsed, Uh, you know, combined pushing myself physically too much, uh, probably not supporting myself nutritionally enough, definitely not getting enough rest and sleep. And then added to being a 16 year old boy, uh, with added stress, being one of the best, better basketball players, you know, being that go-to person to win games uh, and a lot of self-pressure. And my brain and body kind of just shut down. <clears throat> and my parents and I went on a, a journey of figuring out what the hell was wrong with me. And you can imagine back then, it's still pretty bad now, to be honest, finding a diagnosis uh, to an unexplained illness. And so we bounced around uh, Melbourne, Victoria, from specialist to specialist, I felt like I had a hundred blood tests over a space of about six months. And eventually I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. I went from being one of the fittest kids at school to being one of the most deconditioned kids at school. I lost about 20 kilos of muscle mass. Uh, I went from running hours and hours on end to not being able to really lift my head off a pillow uh, and get out of bed and, and just do uh, daily life stuff. And it was probably one of the hardest periods of my life but also, you know, I guess God had other plans for me. And basically what had happened was the suffering and pain that I was experiencing back then was so excruciating and so painful. And you can imagine this is this is almost two decades ago when YouTube wasn't really a thing. There was no Instagram or online communities. And uh, I remember one day I was just sitting there just thinking, why me? You know, like this is so unfair. I'm a good person. Uh, I haven't done anything bad and I don't deserve this. And at the same time, I had this kind of vision of making sure when I get better that no one else would have to go through what I went through alone. And so that vision has taken me on a on a on an amazing journey of eventually getting my health and life back and then uh, studying and learning uh, what it took to get better and then basically 
giving back and you know, we've got a program called the CFS Health Recovery Program. It started offline in a little tiny clinic in Brighton, uh, Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> got a bunch of amazing results. Yeah, so uh, had the offline clinic in Melbourne and was was fully booked within six months. And it got so busy that people were flying all over Australia to come and see me because there was no practical help. And this is the, the whole reason why I started CFS Health is because I literally got very, very little help from the medical uh, profession. Uh, you know, it was trial and error a million times over. And when I figured out uh, how to get my health back and start recovering, uh, I realized other people needed that practical help too. And so I created the first online recovery program in 2013, which was a comprehensive practical recovery plan for people and uh, sure enough, within two months, we were helping people in 14 countries. And now uh, it's 2023 as we speak, and we are helping people in 56 countries. And we've supported and helped thousands of people uh, get healthy and starting to live again. You know what I find incredible is, I, you know, I, I wrote down some of the things you said, why me? I'm a good person. I've done nothing bad. Why me? Why me? But obviously the universe did have... Uh, a very good reason for you to have this, and that was so that you could help. And look at the extent, extent of people that you are now helping. It's incredible. I do have a question about your journey. So what do you think was the moment that, you know, you got the disease? Was there something that happened? Yeah, you know, I think, and this is a global thing that I've realised now with working with thousands of people, it's usually never just one thing that causes something like chronic fatigue syndrome it's usually a, an accumulation of, of things that you know combined basically the body and the brain uh, can't handle the adaptation and so for me back then it was certainly physical stress you know i was just you know my philosophy was no no pain no gain yeah and like i said i was training 14 14 times a week i was playing for four different basketball teams uh you know at, throw in school throw in you know going to bed super late uh throw in not eating uh good quality food and nutrition and having no awareness of uh, an education around you know rest and recovery when it comes to performance and uh and then throw in a virus like glandular fever and mm -hmm. it's a really yeah. good recipe for you know something like chronic fatigue syndrome too to happen you know and this is a common this happens a lot with a, a lot of people we meet it's it's usually a combination of things now for some people it can be emotional stress you know uh and a physical uh you know virus or infection now for others it can be uh, trauma and pushing themselves physically too much uh, for other people it can be an environmental thing like uh mold or toxicity add in combined you know emotional stress or pressure uh basically where the body just can't it just can't carry the load anymore. And the brain and the body just decide, you know what, enough's enough. I can't, I can't do this anymore. You know, it's really a question. Sorry, Cindy, just before you go there, I just wanted to check in on something. Uh, Cindy, were you the same at school? I'd never heard of chronic fatigue syndrome at school, but I do recall a number of people having glandular fever. Could you just explain to us, you say it's a combination of things and all of that sort of jazz, but is that the was it the same, that pressures like emotional trauma, physical, environmental, is that also leading into what glandular fever is? And is it similar? Is that a question for Cindy or me? No, for you. <laughs> oh, right. right. Okay, cool. I just was wondering yeah, so, whether Cindy had people at school that had chronic fatigue or was glandular yeah. fever even around in her because she's quite a lot older than me, Toby. <laughs> oh, ouch. ouch. No, no, it's all good. I, I'm happy. I'm happy to be the old one here. You know, like in the 1960s when I started to go to school in 64, I don't remember it. I seem to remember later on there was glandular fever. Yeah. But I don't remember the amount of young people with the illnesses we see today. And and my question was exactly the same as, as Kim's is there, it, there seems to be this incredible increase in all diseases um, mm. and chronic fatigue is huge. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, back then they called it the kissing disease. 
you know, literally, like that's how you you would catch glandular fever from the kissing. And whether that's a myth or not, I'm not sure. But uh, Kim, to answer your question, I don't think uh, emotional stress and uh, physiological over overtraining is a direct link to getting glandular fever. I think it's separate. I think the difference is the people who look after themselves in that short period of time when they do have glandular fever usually recover and bounce back faster than those people who just kind of treat it like a cold or a flu and push through and keep living the lifestyle that they've been living, which is, you know, detrimental to health and healing. And so for me, they're two separate things. But at the same time, you know, I've met so many people who say, oh, I had glandular fever once. It was horrible, but I got better within one to two months. Whereas, you know, the people that we meet, and it's not always glandular fever, it can be something else, you know, like COVID, for example, we're helping a lot of people with long COVID right now. And uh, again, that's a, a viral infection. Yeah. So it it it's really like that's the starting point and maybe there were some other things along the road that kind of led them to you know basically having a diagnosis which is saying this is the label we're going to give you because we we can't uh, pinpoint exactly what's wrong with you but your symptoms your your symptoms are persisting for a minimum six, six months uh, for, in some countries it's three months uh, these are the symptoms that are showing up for you uh, we've excluded cancer, we've excluded XYZ, and so we're going to give you the diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome or long COVID, and good luck. That's kind of, you know, that's where it stops in the medical system. It's quite sad that they don't know what to do when this is, um, you know, a disease that I believe is quite rife because I hear people saying it all the time. Can mm. you take us through your journey i know you said you were you know go to lots of doctors and did blood tests and things like that what was the thing that got you back to your life again getting you know getting back better again what were the things that you did in order to do that yeah i think you know it's it's horrible when you're that person suffering and you know we you know we've been told since we were born that when you get sick you go to the doctor you take the pill and you get better mm. and it's simply just isn't the truth with things like chronic fatigue syndrome and other chronic illnesses and disease because it takes a multifaceted approach chronic illness affects every area of your life not just physically you know maybe it is your gut health maybe it is you know the the deconditioning of your body but think about how that affects you emotionally when you can't do what you are so used to being able to do with ease and so there's a secondary suffering there, which is, you know, secondary depression, secondary anxiety of not being able to do what you want to do. And so it takes a multifaceted approach to really kickstart recovery. And, and like I said, you know, CFS Health was born out of the pain and suffering that I went through uh, because I just, I could feel the, I could literally feel the, the suffering globally in the world when i was going through i was just imagining you know imagine the millions of people right now who are feeling what i am feeling and no one's giving them help or direction and it's not as easy as you know some doctors are, are really well-meaning and, and have good intention where they're like look there's no pill that you can take to get better but you know just make sure you sleep better and eat better and, and start exercising and that can be super insulting and also the wrong advice depending on where that person's at in their recovery and it's and it's so hard you know like it's if you if you're sleeping 16 hours a day you struggle to brush your teeth you struggle to even sit upright uh with all the symptoms you're experiencing to be told to just go and exercise is really hard and overwhelming and and so you know that's how CFS Health started is like to give people a proper plan specific to where they're at whether they're a one out of ten and they're in bed most of the time or they're slowly getting better or they're integrating back into life you know there's a different process for different levels of recovery for me I went and tried like a million different things like most people did you know I I tried uh, acupuncture I think I was taking like a hundred Chinese medicine balls a day uh i was getting needles all over the place uh i was you know i went to psychologists who didn't really understand it and kind of just thought i was making it up uh i went to physiotherapists personal trainers you name it and the change happened for me when i went and saw the this last person who was like the guru and uh he was like a wacky profession, uh, professor you know you can imagine he had like a white lab coat super uh long gray hair 
probably in his 70s. And uh, he was a great person. And, you know, he was one of those people that you had to wait months and months to get into. And so for, for us as a family, we were holding on to the hope that he was going to fix me. And I remember going to his clinic every single week for about 20 sessions. And the deal was that over time, you know, if I'm doing all these random things that he's getting me to do, that I'm going to get better. And so he'd give me these weird potions and he'd make herbs up and then he'd do, uh, you know, lots of muscle testing. I remember one session he was humming. I was, I had to hum happy birthday while he tapped on my back. And so I'm sitting there going, hmm, 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 hmm you know, sick and super unwell and just going, please, God, like, make this, like, make this go away. After 20 sessions, you know, yes, I was a little bit more hopeful and maybe I made slight improvements. And on the 20th session, he said, all right, my boy, uh, you you don't have chronic fatigue syndrome anymore. And I remember going, that's weird. I kind of still feel pretty shit. Uh, and he gave some great advice, like stop drinking Coca-Cola, like don't eat sugar and things like that. But fundamentally, I didn't really feel much of a difference. And so I said, so does that mean I can run again? And I hadn't ran in like four years. Uh, and he said, yeah, my boy, you can, you can go and run again now. And so, you know, me being the person that just wanted to run, I went and bought some brand new sneakers and I went for a run. And uh, little did I know that, you know, my body wasn't ready for that. And so I remember running about five minutes and I basically like pulled off to the side of the uh, path and just fell in a heap. And I remember going home, sitting there so upset and crying. And at the, at the same time, having this epiphany, realizing that no one else can fix me but me. I've tried everything. I've literally tried the free, I've tried humming happy birthday with a freaking Albert Einstein tapping on my back hoping and wishing and praying that it was going to work and then realizing I hadn't really taken any responsibility for my own self and my own health and so that's when my journey began when I really realized okay if it's to be it's up to me and so I started uh, devouring through personal development books mindset books uh, I used to read a lot of books about reconditioning the body and nutrition and I was lucky I came across a, a brilliant doctor called Dr. Lionel Lubitz and uh he was the one that said, you know, you can get better. Uh, it's, it's, it's about not doing too much, but it's about not doing too little and you have to find your sweet spot. And so he, he came with the, the concept baseline and I kind of just took it a step further uh, to, to basically help create stability in your system so that you can regulate where you're at and then progress from where you're at. And so I went on this journey uh, to really rebuild and recondition my entire health. And, you know, that meant uh, a really specific routine and structure. Uh, so I'd stop pushing and crashing all the time. A lot of mindset work to accept where I was at because for two, year, two years, I was a victim of my circumstances. Why me? This is unfair. You know, look at the life that I'm missing out on to eventually just accepting where I was at. Because without acceptance, I couldn't move forwards, right? Like I was just still looking at the past in the rearview mirror going, wishing and loathing my old life. And uh, accepting where I was at was a huge turning point. And accepting some self-responsibility was huge too. So changing my nutrition plan, uh, reconditioning my body was a huge one. And uh, I was lucky enough to learn from a few mentors and people who didn't specifically work with uh, people with chronic fatigue syndrome, but kind of had a, a good understanding of uh, holistic health. And from there, I just started to progress and, and slowly, uh, but surely, little by little, I got better and better and better. That's yeah. me. Sorry, Sorry. Oh, we both get so excited. We do. It was that, that's such an amazing journey. Um, and I think it gives people hope. But I think what I really got from that, you had to take responsibility. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is the hardest part. You know, uh, obviously, we help thousands of people around the world right now. And, you know, we, we, we don't accept everyone into our program because there's some people who want to be fixed. Uh, we have a rule and we had, you know, we have set boundaries in our program. And one of them is, you know, um, we can't do the work for you. We can teach you everything we know. We can support you. We'll guide you. We'll keep you accountable. But ultimately, you have to meet us halfway. You know, I can't make you eat the healthy food. I can't make you stay consistent. 
and you know and and show up for yourself you know that that has to come from you within yourself and and so it is a journey you know i say to people it's not like you can click your fingers and go okay like i accept this mess and life's gonna be good you know it's not not an easy process so we literally have a training on every aspect of recovery even to the point where we have a training on how to accept where you're at because that's where it starts Yes, though, someone listening to this who knows someone with chronic fatigue or perhaps they themselves are experiencing the symptoms you're talking about, mm. I know we can accept that. I know we can look at responsibility. The problem is if you don't have a good team around you, if we didn't know about CFS Health or if we didn't know what we could actually do, or, you know, for many of us, we keep doing what we've always done. We'll keep getting what we've always got. Yep. But we don't know what it is we need to change because we've been told that um, taking a Barocca for you know to give you a zoom is the best thing to do or that you need to so how do you undo past learnings or well-meaning individuals saying what you should and shouldn't be doing I'm just curious how you went from self-responsibility to how do I make the next step and what's the right step yeah this is brilliant so this is there's kind of two answers to this uh the first thing is I just want anyone to know who's listening that it's not your fault you know, I think there's this feeling within yourself when you're stuck that, you know, you're blaming yourself, you're beating yourself up. But if you think about it, the system has let you down. Not one individual, but just the culture and the system in general, where the culture and the system says, hey, you know, if you get sick, you come come to the doctor and you get the pill and you'll get better. Or, hey, come to the doctor and I'll tell you, you know, you just got to sleep better, eat better and move well and, and start thinking more positively. And, you know, that's a dead end answer. You know, there's nothing that a patient can really do with that information because it's not practical. And you can imagine when brain fog's persistent, you can't really think straight anyway. Yeah, your immune system's low. You're feeling like crap. Uh, maybe there's some secondary anxiety and depression that's coming with what you're experiencing. It's extremely hard to get started. But I would say the first thing is acceptance isn't resignation. And a lot of people that we work with, originally, they when they come in, they literally feel like, oh, my God, I can't accept where I'm at because it's really bad and I don't want it to be like that. And we say, hey, no, acceptance isn't resignation. Acceptance is the starting point of change. And as soon as you can accept where you're at, you have two feet on the ground right now and you can start to make changes now. The second thing I'll add to that, which is like, well, how do I know what to do? Uh, at CFS Health, we, you know, we've seen time and time again, there's three stages to recovery. Uh, the first stage is the acute stage. And this is where maybe it's really recent where you're experiencing an onset of symptoms, you know, like the brain fog, muscle aches and pains, uh, lethargy, dizziness, you know, cognitive issues, uh, muscle spasms, like there's literally headaches. There's so many that I can't list right now, but you get the picture of where you're suffering. Uh, and in the acute stage, it's actually a, a lot about doing less than doing more. It's about pulling yourself back and really creating stability and regulating your entire system so we can have a bit of a foundation to build on. Uh, in the acute stage, it's very important. We have a we have a protocol, which is like the less is more protocol. Uh, and it's just initially. So it's like, you know, one of the common things that people experience with something like chronic fatigue syndrome or other chronic conditions is this yo-yo effect of the push and crash cycle. So, you know, as soon as they feel good for, a, for the morning when they wake up, they're like, oh my God, I haven't felt this good in weeks. They go and do the hundred things on their to-do list that they had banked up over the weeks before. And of course, the body can't handle that uh, amount of load and adaptation. And so the body breaks down and then you uh, you feel like absolute crap. We call it the valley of death at CFS Health where you you push yourself, you feel great. You go, yes, I'm amazing. I'm super superwoman or superman. And then uh, one to three days later, you're in bed and you feel like absolute crap. And so we need to avoid the push-crash cycle. This is where we bring in the baseline, which is about really being able to do what you can currently do without feeling any worse than you currently feel. And so this is, this is there's a framework and a teaching. We actually have a free teaching on this that anyone can download called cfshealth.com slash baseline. Uh, but it's really about creating stability first. 
The second stage is this tight and wide stage where it's more about re-strengthening. And in this re-strengthen stage, so we've got restore, re-strengthen and reintegrate. So stage two is where your energy levels start to stabilize. The pushing and crashing has stopped. And now there is a little bit of energy in the system where we can start to recondition and rebuild the brain and the body. When I say brain, I mean cognitive and emotional things like uh, reading, uh, just using your brain, day-to-day life stuff. And then emotional is having that emotional stability. Maybe it's getting better with boundaries. Maybe it's getting better with how you live your life. And then physically, it's about reconditioning your body and re-strengthening your body appropriately. Once you've mastered that, and it is a process, and by the way, there's gray areas in between each stage. So it's not as like a fix, like once you do stage one, then you're in stage two. You could be bouncing between uh, one and two or two and three, depending on where you're at. And stage three is all about integration. And so inside our program, we have an up-level program called the Lifestyle Integration Program, where we help support our members as they get healthier. Because here's the problem. When you've been struggling with chronic fatigue syndrome or the like for a long time, you don't know how to live life. And if you've been suffering for a long time, you kind of have this idolism of like, oh, life is just going to be perfect when I get better. Like you, you look at everyone on the outside world and you go, they've just got it so good. And you don't have to, you haven't dealt with life stress for a while. And you think, oh my God, Kim Morrison, like she... She must just like wake up feeling amazing every day. Like she never gets tired. She never gets stressed. Cindy, oh my God, Cindy, just, you know, Cindy doesn't, Cindy's life's a dream every second of the day. And little do they know that with life comes life challenges. And so we help support our members through the lifestyle integration period where they actually, we encourage them to stop focusing on their recovery. You know, we don't want people to focus on their recovery forever because that means they're still sick. So we want to get people to the point where they have the body wisdom to know what to do and when to do it. And they know what works for them so that they can kind of make that a habit and make it unconscious. So it's just so, you know, it's, it's, you just wake up and you know what to eat, you know what to do, you know how to move, you know how to sleep, you know what works for you. And then we can start to focus on life, which is, well, what are my values? You know, what what is my North Star? What is my why? What do I want to do with this world of mine? And what does the next steps look like to progress towards that? So we're pretty big on vision. And we have, a, like I said, we have a whole separate program called the Values Aligned Program, which is about helping people get really clear on what's important to them now. And what we often find is that it's not what it was when they first got sick. You know, their life completely changed, their values system changes. And what was once important doesn't really matter anymore. Interesting that values change um, when you've been through a sickness like that. I I, I want to ask you about prevention. Now I, I know nobody nobody expects to get sick and they might not be, you know, thinking about prevention. But I guess where this is coming from is I read a book called Plague by Judy Makovitz, who worked with chronic fatigue in the US with a, a big family. The daughter, the, the family was very wealthy and the daughter got chronic fatigue and they set up a foundation. And Judy went in to work with them and started to see a virus uh, as opposed to Epstein-Barr, which is what mm-hmm. um, I think uh, CFS is associated with. But she started to see another virus and trace that virus back. Have you read her work? Do you know anything about it? And if not, then what would you think we need to do in order to prevent this happening to us? And, and I understand you probably already said it with, you know, you were overwhelmed, you did lots of exercise, you didn't check out, you know, you didn't... Ch- like check yourself and maybe you weren't eating as well, especially when I heard you drank Coca-Cola. That, you know, that <laughs> but I just, guilty. I yeah, yeah. I just want to know. Um, though maybe answer to two of them. Have you read Judy Makovitz's work? And secondly, what would you say to a young person who's burning the candle at both ends ends as far as their prevention would be? Yeah, no, well, first of all, no, I haven't actually read any of her work. I've heard of her name. Uh, but it sounds like she's doing great work. Mm. And it's funny you asked that question. I was actually, I was just 
the business conference with some of the most brilliant minds and, and business leaders in Australia. And I sat down with one of them for dinner and I look up to him a lot. He's an incredible guy. I'm not going to name his name, but we got chatting and he was asking about my work and he was fascinated. And he said, and he, you know, all of a sudden he kind of went to himself. He's like, well, well, how, you know, would I get chronic fatigue syndrome? Like, could I get it? And I was, and he's like, you know, how could I prevent it? You know, he was already, he's that type of perform, you know, that uh, high performer that's already thinking about himself of like making sure that he's on track. And I said, well, you know, uh, and we, we were previously talking about his routine and his rhythm and what he does with his nutrition and sleep. And I said, to be honest, uh, I don't think you'll ever get chronic fatigue syndrome because you have this body awareness and body wisdom that you know what works for you. And when you get those cues where you might be overtired, you might be burnt out, you uh, you might be feeling just not yourself, you go back and fall into your rhythm and routine that suits you. And for him, it's, you know, a set bedtime, a set wake time. It's it's maybe, you know, taking off the stress and pressure off work. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's different for everybody, but there are some common frameworks and I guess uh, routines and structures that you put in place to support yourself, which in turn, really what I'm talking about is regulating your nervous system, uh, nourishing your mind, nourishing your body, and ultimately just looking after yourself. You know, I think we, live, we do live in such a fast-paced world and like I said before, you know, the culture has let you down. The culture says grind, hustle, push, uh, sleep when you're dead. And, you know, it's, it's kind of we need to do the opposite of that. It's like we need to make sure that we're, we're doing what's appropriate for us based off where we're at and what's going on in our lives. You know, I kind of liken it to like a relationship breakup. It's absolutely horrible. And, uh, and many of our clients, you know, are in relationships and, and many of them have had breakups and they go, oh my God, like I feel absolutely terrible and I don't know what to do. And I say, hey, uh, healthy people feel terrible too when they go through a breakup and healthy people support themselves through that too. So, you know, it's important just to keep in mind, well, what, what would a healthy person do and respond to, to a stressful uh, period or situation? I know that you are working with clients that have the problem, but have you considered working with clients, uh, no, not clients, but working to help them with the, what you've just talked about then? Are mm. you doing that as well? I know I'm pushing you because I know you, you've got all the, the stuff that you are doing, but I'm listening to you, Toby, and I'm thinking you're a young man, um, and you would inspire a lot of young people to listen to you. So are you working with those types of people as well, not just the people that have gotten sick? Not consciously. You know, I think there's just such a demand right now. You know, we literally get like thousands on top of thousands of requests and applications every single year with people who are who are in need, you know, like they're actually in need of the help. Um, but it's a good question and it's something that as a team, you know, we'll ponder and figure out how can we, how can we get this message out there to people who, who are, I guess, more health conscious and, and, and want to prevent just like that high performer I talked about the other day that I met and had dinner with. It was a fascinating conversation um, to install that confidence and that understanding within the self to know what to do and when to do it uh, is pretty important. And to be honest, Cindy, I would just love this information in every single doctor's hands around the world, every single GP to have literally a three-page PDF on just some practical things that they could give these people versus saying oh, there's nothing you can do to get better or just think more positively or sweat it out or push yourself more. Like, you know, I just, that's my you know, that's my wish is to make sure that no one else has to just like suffer unnecessarily. And it's also, I think it needs to be in the education system. It, I, I just feel that education at the moment is worthless. 
in what we're learning. We're not learning these amazing life skills that you're talking about. It's almost like you need to create, sorry, Toby, but you need (laughs) to create an education program that teaches these young men and women the, and I think you said self-regulating, and that's what it is. It is, it is self-regulating. And then we might find that less and less people do alcohol, less and less people mm-hmm. do drugs. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's yeah, that's a great. I love it. It's a great thought, and yeah, I never thought of it like that. But I guess there are a lot of people who need this kind of uh, education and you're preaching to the choir you know like i if i had kids now i don't know if i'd take them to school um i just don't know like it's like it's it's memory retention stuff it's not really teaching them life skills and you know i just think they don't teach enough about uh personal development they don't teach enough about uh you know they teach maths but where do you do algebra in in a business Mm. you know like like teach me how to freaking teach me about tax, teach me how to invest in a property, teach me how to, you know, uh, become useful and valuable in society versus just reten- retention of memory. Um, yeah, you're preaching to the choir there. Yeah. Um, and hopefully that education will start to change or I'm finding more and more people in in private education that are starting to change. Mm. So I have a, another question for you. So let's say we have a young man that is very sick, um, has read everything and is gung-ho on following a protocol that might be making him worse but believes that he's read the book and he believes that this will be the best thing for him Mm. and he keeps losing weight and he's not getting better. Mm. How do you get... I'm, and, and I'm in this situation at the moment. How do you get them, do they get to the point where it's not working and they'll go try something else? Or do you think that they'll just give up? Because I know that, you know, uh, people are worried um, when people get into situations like this. How do you get them to maybe at least look at your program and see what you're doing? Is it or... It isn't just, you just can't help people, everyone. Yeah. And it's not just young people, you know, there's like mum. we just did, we just did an interview this morning with a single mother who's 44, who two years ago was basically in a wheelchair. And now two years later, she's a fully functioning mum taking her daughter around the world traveling. So it doesn't just affect young people. And so I know a lot of people listening are probably experiencing what you're just saying, Cindy, where they're, they're, they're trying so hard, you know, and, and one of the things, funnily enough, about recovery is it's actually not about trying hard. Mm. That's part of the problem. In, and even in this, we did a, we call it the spotlight coaching session where we bring on a success story every month and they'll share a specific thing about their recovery that helped them the most. And this lady this morning literally said, she's like, you know, I was trying so hard to get everything perfect that that was one of the things that I needed to fix in order to get better, which was to stop trying so hard. And so it's not what you do, but it's how you do it. It's how you go about it. And so, you know, whether it's a, a rabbit hole of, of doing a really, really strict diet or maybe a movement routine or some form of mindset work, you know, I guess my invitation and offer to anyone doing that is how's it working out for you? Mm. you know i think that's the most you know important question to ask one of the things that we say is keep doing what works and stop doing what doesn't and whether you've you're on a vegan diet when we see this all the time in fact the lady that did the success story this morning she said i was vegetarian for like two years and when i joined the program i started to eat uh, animal protein in my in my nutrition plan and it made an enormous difference and and so i said to everyone on the call that you know when i'm not telling you to stop being a vegan or a vegetarian or even uh, someone who eats meat what i'm asking you is to question how's it working out for you is what you're doing working if it is it should be giving you some good results if it's not it's probably time to change it and maybe it's just time to change your approach you know this all or nothing mindset and and you can't blame them cindy like these guys they're overcompensating from the point of losing their current life 
And so we know that nothing great comes from desperation, but at the same time, we have to say, Hey, I understand why you're doing it, you know, because you you feel like you've missed out on so much of life already. And so you're overcompensating and trying really hard to catch up, but ultimately it's making you feel worse. Yeah. And I know me being a nutritionist and focusing on the food side of everything, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, everything's got a food value or, you know, it's always about that. I, I remember Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride saying sometimes when the body is lacking in nutrients and especially in, in animal proteins, you can't reason with that person as well as somebody whose brain is actually working well. And you've been talking about this a lot, that in chronic um, fatigue um, or, you know, CFS, we, we the, the brain's not working. Mm. And that's what's hard is, is you want that brain to work, but you can't. You can't make it work because they're um, going into one direction and not maybe the direction that their brain needs. And that's, I'm talking about the chemicals needed for the brain, not the emotions that are needed for the brain. And I know what those, you know, those chemicals are and the importance of those chemicals and the importance of the nutrients um, that are given to us by, I'm sorry to say, but meat products. Mm-hmm. I don't, um, I, I cannot condone um a a vegan diet i just can't because i haven't seen it be useful in our program can i can i just say something for the people who are listening who are carers or parents or loved ones of the person suffering yes please do that okay yes so first of all my heart goes out to you it is so freaking hard what you're going for in fact it's it's an own journey in itself and i think it's really important to give yourself permission to not be okay uh, and to to acknowledge that it's not easy for you either. Uh, I've got two, two things for you. The first thing is get help and support for you. And that might be through a counsellor. Uh, it might be through a psychologist, a coach, maybe even a friend. Uh, but get outside help and support for you whilst you're supporting this person in front of you. The second thing is try not to put your suffering onto them. And I know you would never do that, you know, with intention, but you coming home or you coming into their room and crying in front of them or, you know, telling them how hard it is and and kind of, you know, showing all that emotion unconsciously puts a lot of pressure on the person suffering. They already feel guilty for the whole situation. And so if you need to cry, cry, just cry outside of the vicinity of where they're at. Uh, if you need to get angry, if you need to get frustrated, do it, but just not in front of them. Uh, we've seen such a healing profound effect just from that alone, where you're separating that, you know, emotional struggle that you're experiencing with the person who's actually experiencing uh, firsthand the actual chronic fatigue syndrome suffering. The second thing that I would, uh, say and this is really hard is to allow them to have their experience what you say to them is probably right maybe they do need to relax a little bit more maybe they do need to let go and stop trying so hard maybe they do need to eat healthier maybe they do need to think a little bit more positively than they are and stop being a victim potentially but it's a little bit like when the uh when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. And by you kind of saying, come on, like you need to eat healthier or come on, like don't watch that garbage or come on, go to bed earlier. It's only adding in more stress and pressure. And so again, it's really hard when you don't have a program or a plan in place, but even just the allowance of of them, what you can do if you want is say, Hey, Oh, wow. I listened to this podcast and I, I thought it was really fascinating uh, you know, I'll send you the link, but you know, if you want to listen to it, go for it. You know, that's a better way to do it. Then you've got to do this program. You've got to try this. You've got to try that because it's like, well, the person hasn't even enrolled themselves yet. And I think it's just important that like, not to rush it and to allow that person to have their own experience. And sometimes you do need to go to rock bottom. Sometimes you need to go down that, that, that void of whatever you think you need to do and it not working to then make you realize and have the epiphany that you maybe you just need a different approach. 
and maybe you need a holistic approach and and to be honest Cindy you know like yeah our program's amazing and it's it gets amazing results but like I also don't believe that you need a program to get better you know like I got better I didn't have a set program I had support I had an amazing family I had uh some great mentors uh but I just don't want people to feel disheartened that if they're not doing a set program that they can't get better I think you know there's there's a lot of people out there now who are taking advantage of of people and they're saying you you know if you don't do my program you're not going to get better well I think that's bullshit you know that's that's self-interest and that's marketing um you know there's so much great free information I know Cindy and Kim you guys provide uh really good info on just general health and well-being too and and so it's up to the individual to you know take the take the steering wheel you know, we we say to our clients, uh, we're gonna we're gonna give you the keys, and we're we're gonna give you the car too. Uh, but it's up to you if you pick up the keys and put the keys in the ignition to start your car to move you forwards to where you want to go. So powerful, especially there seems to be so much of this, and perhaps a lot of people don't even realize they have this condition. They just mm. cannot get over the brain fog, the feeling of constantly feeling tired. I, I want to come at you just, I know we've used up a lot of your time, but from a spiritual element, one of the things you said at the very beginning was I questioned why me? And I'm just interested why some people get this and are affected by it and others aren't. Do you think there's a spiritual side to this, a calling, a it's it's written in the stars and it's what you're going to do with that why do some people get it and some don't and then when you ask the question why me how did you turn that into why not me yeah <clears throat> i think the reason why some people do get it and some people don't get it is their constitution of health um at that point of time like i said there's lots of people who get glandular fever and within two months they're totally back to normal because they rest and they listen to their body and then you know, they, they kind of get back to living and other people, it's usually accumulation of not just one thing, but maybe three things or more that spirals them down into something like chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, et cetera. And to answer your question about spirituality, uh, this might be a little bit controversial and I often don't speak about it too much. It usually comes up in our lifestyle integration calls actually for our members. You know, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I do believe in some instances that chronic fatigue syndrome is a sign that you're not living or being authentic to yourself. And what I mean by that is that you're living someone else's dream, uh, that uh, maybe you're not really grounded in who you are and again you're chasing something outside of yourself or an ego driven uh sense of accomplishment that actually isn't that fulfilling and so it can be really tiring when you're when you're running someone else's race and we often hear that from clients where you know their parents said you know you have to be a lawyer you have to become a doctor you have to become a scientist you know you have to get great you know perfect grades at school and that type of perfectionism and, you know, ladder climbing uh, is pretty soul destroying in many cases. And this is not for all, you know, I'm not saying this is a blanket statement as, you know, yes, you know, you got chronic fatigue syndrome because you're not living your authentic self and your authentic life. But for many people, it is a, a coming home to yourself. And, and Kim, often a lot of people, as they start to get better, they actually become really thankful for the illness and what it gave them. And it's so profound when that happens because all of a sudden, you know, they're thankful for the experience. They've taken the lessons and the messages from it and they've applied what they needed to apply. And now they're out the other end as well. And so, yeah, I mean, there's just so many success stories. We've got a bunch on our YouTube channel, on our podcast, where a lot of them have expressed that this, this spiritual, I guess, uh, you know, unbecoming to becoming in fact one of our one of our past members she she got better and actually published a book called the unbecoming which was you know letting go of her old self and becoming this new self and uh yeah lauren giamarco i think it's called the unbecoming and she's just an amazing uh i guess case study of what you're talking about 
Well, I think you're incredible and mm. I'm amazed and I'm just so grateful that I now have somewhere to send people when they're in this state. And I just want to thank you for taking one for the team <laughs> and <laughs> for also being a trailblazer in this realm. Final word from you, beautiful Cindy. I'm just so grateful to have heard this gorgeous soul. Um, and also I'd love to know how people can get in touch with you. So thank you, Toby. I Look, I've I've known you for years. I've watched your journey. I think it's incredible. Um, you know, you're a, a local on the coast, although I did hear you were flitting all over the place there for a while. Uh, so thank you, as Kim said, taking one for the team. I've seen so many people who have done this and um, and done, gone, gone and done great things to help other people get well. So thank you. I appreciate that. And, yes, please let everybody know how they can find you on your socials and as well as your website. Yeah, my pleasure. A uh, couple of things. Go to the website, cfshealth.com. Uh, if you want direct help with myself and my team, and we have, you know, specialists in every area of recovery from movement to nutrition, to mindset, to integrative, uh, you know, medical work, we kind of cover everything. So now you can apply for the program there. I'd honestly just encourage you to start with our free resources. We've got a bunch of amazing trainings that to be honest, if I had, when I was sick, I would have paid money for it and they're free for you. So I'd honestly start there. You can see it on the website. And I'd also go over to our YouTube channel, uh, CFS Health. And just, you know, there's like hundreds and hundreds of free videos that that talk about all this stuff on a deeper level. And then, of course, Instagram, CFS Health, and uh, Facebook are the same. Well, that makes it easy. <laughs> CFS Health. Yeah. And, <laughs> and CFS Health. C for chronic, F for fatigue, <clears throat> S for syndrome, health, just so everybody Well, gets that. I, ironically, yeah, it is CFS Health, but it stands for Choice, Freedom, Success. Uh, I beg your pardon. Yeah. So Choice. a lot of people, yeah. So CFS Health started because ultimately, you know, it's chronic fatigue syndrome can stand for Choice, Freedom, Success. And, you know, uh, it starts with the choice from that choice creates freedom and from freedom creates the success and success is you know i guess just being true to yourself and living a life that you want to live just having someone in your corner toby that's what's so powerful about this mm. so many diseases these days are so confusing for the poor person and the carers as you mentioned going totally. through it and just to have a support network and the skills and the resources and as you also said it may not be for everybody but wow just again on behalf of cindy and i congratulations for setting this up because you're giving people a place to go when they feel like there's nowhere else to be Totally. Yeah. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, girls. Thank you.